We, um, I, I want to remind you, you know, normally we are doing our Anchor Faith Life classes on Wednesday nights. How many of you have been blessed by that? I have been blessed by that because I haven't had to preach to y'all. I've now delegated that assignment. And man, we've had some awesome teachers uh, getting up in front of you guys. I hope that you guys have been drawing and receiving from them. Um, it's always an honor for me. I am not insecure. I am not a power trip guy. I don't always have to be the one up here doing this. And I'm excited that we can empower and equip uh, people in our team and in this church uh, to uh, teach and to give you guys uh, biblical direction and teaching. And um, it's just been an honor for Pastor Caleb, Pastor Ashley. Uh, we call her Mama Myrna around here because we got two of them. So Mama Myrna and then Brandy over here have, have uh, so far taught classes. And we will be picking those back up. But I do want to let you know that this next session, my wife and I are actually going to tag team it together. And we're going to teach on parenting. We're actually going to watch some videos from a guy that does some phenomenal biblical teaching in this area. Uh, but then we're going to come in behind and we'll communicate some things. We'll open it up for question and answering. Anybody got questions about raising kids? If you don't have your hand up, you're lying. And uh, maybe you should teach. The, he's done already. Uh, but hey, to that note, I do want to say this. If you uh, grandparent any children, this class is going to be very effective for you. And, and I'm not just kidding. I'm not just saying that so we can get as many people in here as possible. If you are around kids in any capacity, you want to be in this class uh, as much as you can. Uh, so for the next six weeks, beginning next week, we'll be in that vein. And then um, we'll just see what God wants to do uh, from there. When we get to the summertime, we may take a break and pick back up. Uh, we'll just see what God wants to do. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to teach you tonight, though, from John chapter 4. So if you'll get your Bibles, your iPhones, your iPads, whatever your instrument or devices of, of the Word. And uh, we want to get right into this. Father, I thank you for this Word tonight. I thank you that our hearts are prepped and ready to receive from you. Father, I thank you that you're stirring, you're moving even now. And I thank you that I speak with clarity, with boldness, most of all, Father, with understanding. Father, I thank you that this isn't just head knowledge, this is heart knowledge, this is stuff that will change us, affect us, uh, and change those around us. So, Father, give me the words to speak, and may we have ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. John chapter 4, verse 1. John chapter 4 and verse 1. And by the way, you've probably noticed uh, we've got a sound system overhaul in here. Amen. Uh, we're $900 away from the goal, so I said, let's just go ahead and pull the trigger. Maybe that'll spur some people to take up the other 900 and let's get it all taken care of. But um, So it's all here, but I do ask uh, for your patience over the next several services as we work it out. Uh, Jimmy has a board that is four times bigger than what he had before, so... Uh, uh, and, and all kinds of ins and outs. If any of you are techie people, you know kind of how that works. Those of you that aren't, just know that there's a lot of work involved. And in the last 48 hours, well, Monday and Tuesday, we were getting all this stuff put in. Y'all remember Zachary Miller. He's the one that did everything, blessed us, and blessed us with this time. And so we're excited to move forward with that. John chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, 
Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples, uh, if you haven't joined us on Sundays or last Sunday, then uh, you'll know that we are doing a new series on discipleship, consumer or contributor. So that's my plug for Sundays. Uh, baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples did. He left Judea, departed again to Galilee. So he's on his way to Galilee. Galilee for Jesus is home. This is where he's from. This is where he's comfortable, man. This is, you know, I recognize this place. People recognize me. And so he's on his way to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. He's on his way to a place of comfort. But he has to go through a place of discomfort. Y'all see where I'm going tonight. Sometimes we like to look at the destination and we don't want to look at what we got to go through to get to. We got to go through it if we want to get to it. There's no, there's no shortcut. Verse 5. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. Anybody wearied from the journey? Anybody just want to get home? Right? Isn't it amazing that we don't think that rest can come until we get home? I'm weary. I'm tired. And, and look, it's, this is an exciting verse for me because it lets me know that even Jesus, the Son of God, got tired and got weary. And so he's tired and he's weary from the journey. What he has to go through is tiring him to what he's trying to get to. And so he sat by a well the Jacob's well there, and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? Um, and, and I'm going to kind of break this up. We're going to look at this whole story because uh, the title of my message is The Will at the Well. The will at the well. And what, what I want to show us tonight is uh, sometimes I think that we have a skewed idea of what rest is. And, and I don't know if there's any tired people. You know, the Lord just kind of laid this on my heart. And that's kind of why I felt that we needed to pray for one another. Uh, because weariness sets in. Here we are, you know, we're... Uh, over 90 days into the year now. And, uh, you know, uh, how many of you remember our series kicking off the year forward? And, man, there's so much excitement and so much anticipation. There's excitement when you start the journey, and there's excitement at when you end the journey. But it's the in-between areas. Uh, uh, it's, it, it's the Wednesday that is tiring. How many of you had a hard time getting here tonight? How many of you wished you probably... I could have stayed home or maybe said, you know what, I could really take the night off. There's a Wednesday in life, the midweek point, the halfway 
point. You're on the journey. You're going through something. And, and the first point that I want to make is that we cannot overlook the journey for the destination. We can't overlook the journey for the destination. If you think that you have to arrive somewhere for God to meet your need, then you've missed it. We've missed it. We have this arrival mentality. When I get here, I'll have this. And when I get there, uh, when my marriage looks like this, when my finances look like this, when my uh, job situation looks like this, we all have an, an, an arrival or a destination uh, uh, in mind. But what we tend to miss many times as believers is the journey that gets us there. And, and we have got to learn to embrace the journey or you'll never meet your destination. If you don't learn to embrace the journey, you'll never meet the destination. You'll get frustrated, you'll get tired, and you'll get weary in the midst of getting to where you're trying to go. And, and, and so, you know, when we started this year in that series, when you started this week, when you started your new job, when you got on the journey, you had an end in sight. I mean, if you don't have vision, you don't know where you're going. People don't, people don't keep walking if they have nowhere to get to. And, and, and so, you know, I'm not going to communicate vision because that's what January was all about. Get a vision for your life. If you, have, if you have spent the last 90 days and you haven't gained a vision for your life, get a vision. Where do you want your marriage in the next five years? Where do you want your finances in the next five years? What do you want your job situation to look like in the next five years? Do you want that promotion? How are you going to get there? What are the steps you're putting in place? You want to save that amount of money? What are the steps you're... You've got to have a vision for your life. But now we've got vision, but now the journey doesn't match my vision. And this is what I want to speak to tonight. There's a well for everybody. There's a halfway point. There's a journey that we're on. And, and this is what I want you to understand is that if you will go through it, God will get you to it. Sometimes I feel like we spend more time trying to find a way out than a way through. Can I get an amen? You can shout me down on these. I know that they're hitting on the inside. You can go ahead and say amen. It's Wednesday night, but you can still say amen on Wednesday. You don't got to save it for Sunday. Some of you are like, well, if I use up all my amens, I won't have nothing for Sunday. I'm not used to this. Go ahead. You can, you can put it out there. If you will go through it, God will get you to it. But sometimes we spend all of our energy trying to find a way out rather than a way through. And so we've got to embrace the journey or we'll never see the destination. So let's look at this woman that Jesus is coming into contact with now. In verse 9, um, no, verse 7, verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. You ever been on the journey, and you're like, can somebody just get me a drink? Can somebody just you know, I'm always looking out for everybody. You know Jesus. He's always taking care of his disciples. He's taking care of all these people. Uh, you know, he's got all this following and this gathering now. And he's on this journey trying to get back home. 
Why is, all, why is everybody bothering me? Why is everybody bugging me? Everybody wants something. I need you to give me something. Give me a drink, he says. And for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? And then John gives us a little insight here. He says, because the Jews, they have no dealings with Samaritans. This is what you would call a place of discomfort for Jesus. And many times the journey is uncomfortable. And we're trying to get to a place of comfort. We're trying to find our comfort zone. He's on his way to Galilee where people know his name. He grew up with these people. They've known him since he was a little kid. Uh, uh, he's familiar. People know what he needs. But he's around a woman that normally he doesn't have dealings with. And see, we find ourselves in these situations when we're trying to get to a place, we have to go through discomfort. You're trying to get to comfort, but you've got to go through Discomfort, and you may recognize this in your life that I'm, you know, I'm trying to get here financially, but I'm in an uncomfortable place financially. I'm trying to get to that place, but saving money is not comfortable for me. Uh, 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 I'm trying to work on my marriage, but walking in love is uncomfortable. It's a place of discomfort. It's a place that I don't recognize. I'm not familiar with, and so Jesus is journeying through. As he's getting to the place that he feels familiar and comfortable, he's going through a place uh, that is uncomfortable and unfamiliar. But here's the problem. For this woman, this well is the place of comfort for her. As we keep going, in verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who... It is who says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Isn't it interesting that Jesus can still have an outlook that says, I still have something to give away. Even in a place where I need something, I still have something to give. And verse 11 says, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where? Then do you get that living water? Now watch this. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Are you greater than? And then she gives a story. She gives a position of familiarity. Because, see, she's been returning to this. She's been returning to this well naturally, and we'll find out she's been returning to another well emotionally, spiritually, that hasn't fed her. But what I want you to see here is that people return to what is comfortable. People return to what is comfortable. You, you are running back to the very thing that has conditioned you to go back to it. You're trying to save financially, but it's, it's comfortable to use the credit card. So you return back and you run back to, and the thing has conditioned you 
I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you something to drink. It, it, it's not living water, but it's water. We've, we've accepted natural water as a substitute for spiritual water. Because of comfort. Because of comfort. Jesus is trying to show her, you're going to have to learn to go to a different well if you want to get a different product. If you want a different answer, you're going to have to go to a different place. Now, we'll see this further. He's using this demonstration naturally to show her that the need on the inside, because she's had five husbands and the one that she's currently with is not. She's running to a well that cannot satisfy her. But that well has conditioned her to keep coming back. Keep coming back. And this is how we live our lives a lot of times. This is why we have. We believe that comfort and rest are synonymous. We think that we can't be we can't have rest until we feel comfort. We think I mean this is what the world tells you. You got to buy the right mattress if you're going to get a good night's sleep. Right? Anybody bear witness with that? But I tell you, if you're tired and you really want to sleep, it don't matter where you lay your head. You will find sleep. Maybe not naturally, but I'm going to show you this spiritually. Because Jesus, Jesus wasn't looking for comfort to give him rest. We get down to the end of this thing. Let's just skip on down there real quick, just to verse... uh, Verse 34, verse 34, John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, this is after the whole thing is done. Remember, he's in Samaria. He's in an unfamiliar place. He's uncomfortable. He's dealing with a person that he normally does not have dealings with. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. His disciples show up with the food that they went into the city to get, and he responds and says, I'm good. Why? Because he didn't wait for comfort to bring him rest. You will have to learn on the journey. You will have to find rest in uncomfortable places. You'll have to quit waiting for everything to be comfortable and everything to be right and and, and everything to be perfect before I find rest. You will have to learn to find rest in the midst of discomfort. In fact, it could be the comfort zone that you live in that is keeping you from the destination you're looking for. This woman cannot find the love she's looking for because she's returning to a comfort zone. She's returning to something that's familiar. And she's turning over husband after husband. She's having to keep coming to the well because she runs out of what she drew the last time. But Jesus is trying to show her, if you'll get a hold of some living water, you'll find rest and it may not be comfortable. It may not be perfect. It may not be everything you want it to be. It may not be the situation, the ideal situation you've been looking for. But if you will find rest in me, you won't need comfort around you. If you are waiting for your journey to be comfortable, you'll never make it. 
You'll never make it. You're on a journey. You're on a journey. You have a destination. You have an expectation. This is what I want this to look like. This is what I want that to look like. How are we going to get that expectation to come to pass? How are we going to make it to the destination that God has for us? You cannot shortcut the journey. And you cannot wait for the journey to be comfortable. I was just listening to a pastor uh, and, 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 and just yesterday on a podcast, and they, were, they asked him this question. They said, what word would you give? What word would you give? to young pastors that feel called to the ministry. He said, the number one thing I would tell them is do not wait for the calling to be comfortable. If you're waiting for all your bills to be paid before you step out and launch that church, if you're waiting to, to, to get the right people around you, if you're waiting to get the right education, if you're, now there's preparation, there's things you need to do, but if you're waiting for this 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 scenario to take place in your life that's going to help you get to the end, you're missing the journey in the matter. You're missing the discomfort that might need to shake you up a little bit. That discomfort might, you need to get out of your comfort zone. You need to get in a position of discomfort. You need to get in a position that doesn't feel right and it's unfamiliar and I don't recognize anything around me, but I'm going to get a different result. They say insanity is the result of doing the same thing over and over and getting the same result, getting the same product. Why are we doing the same thing and expecting something different? Why was this woman expecting something different by doing the same thing? And so Jesus, in a position of discomfort, is trying to help this woman recognize that what you're looking for is you're not going to find it in your comfort zone. If you're not willing to get out of your comfort zone, you won't meet the destination. You won't make it to the end. So we must learn how to find rest in uncomfortable places. This is where we draw on the strength of God. This is where you draw on the grace of God in your life. God will give you the grace to endure that. God will give you the strength to make you through that. Uh, Paul said, in my weakness, he is strong. I, I, I taught this to our leadership just last month. I said, uh, you know, we went through strengths and weaknesses. Everybody's got them. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. It's part of your DNA. It, it's what makes you up. Nobody has just strengths and no weaknesses, and nobody has just weaknesses with no strengths. And we spend so many, so many times trying to bring strength to our weaknesses rather than strengthening our strengths. You, you, could, have, you could do 99 things wrong and one, or 99 things right and one thing wrong, and you'll spend all your energy on the one wrong thing and never focus on the other things that we get right. And so this is what we've got to recognize. You've all got weaknesses. We've all got weaknesses. And in your weakness, he is strong. Quit trying to be strong to cover your weakness. Embrace the weakness and rely on his strength to cover that weakness. They asked Ronald Reagan one time when, uh, when he was president, what, you know, just different keys to leadership. And he said one of them was, I staff my weaknesses. I recognize the areas I'm not good at. 
so I get somebody else to do it. Rather than trying to become better at that and spending all my energy on that thing, I'm just going to revel in what I'm good at and what I bring to the table and let somebody else bring, bring that thing to the table. I'm not good at it. You're, that's where you're going to shine. So let God shine in the midst of your weakness. Quit trying to cover it up. Quit trying to fix it. Quit trying to, 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 to push it away and it's no big deal. Let it be there and let God strengthen you through that situation. This is how we make it from one destination to another. So the question is tonight, very simply, what are you running to? What are we running to? What has conditioned us to go back to it even though it does not give us the answer we're looking for? What are we running back to? What's that comfort zone that we always fall back into? Rather than pushing through, we run back and we're in this cycle we got to answer that question what are we running to last part last part tonight in verse 13 jesus answered and said to her whoever drinks of this water will thirst again he's letting her know you're not going to get the answer you're looking for you will come back but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Notice how the tables have turned. Jesus was the one asking for water at a literal well. And now the woman's recognizing I'm the one that needs you to give me to drink. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you have now, uh, whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. He responds and he says, you're right. You're stuck going to the well. You're stuck going to a well that can't satisfy what you're really looking for. You're returning to something. And then the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem, say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. She was saying we're supposed to worship him on the mountain or in Jerusalem. And he says, no, 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 no. It's not where you worship. It's how you worship. It's your attitude of worship that brings the answer. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You see how stuck she was on literal locations. Jacob's 
well. And this is the very well that Jacob himself came and brought his livestock and, and fed his family. And, 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 and that's the mountain that we're supposed to. But, but you say we're supposed to worship here. And, and, and Jesus is trying to switch her. Find a different well. Find a different well. And the woman said, verse 25, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now let's keep going here. Verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. So they went in. Jesus is tired. Jesus is weary. And they went in to get him food. And watch what he says. I have food to eat of which you do not know. What's he saying? I have a different well. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? They're confused. Did somebody else bring him dinner? Somebody else run to the drive-thru? Somebody else beat us back here? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The last point that I want to make is that you have what people are looking for. So many times in the midst of opportunities where we're looking for answers, we disregard the fact that we have answers to someone else's problem. And Jesus actually found his, his sustenance. He found his will and he found God's will in serving other people people. And again, we spend so much energy trying to answer our problems that we forget that we may have the answer to someone else's problem around us. We don't even recognize what we have to give. But I want you to know that your your answer can be found in other people's problems. If we would think outside of ourselves, if in the moments of being tired, in the moments of being weary, in the moments where we feel like we need everything to come to us, God is wondering, what do you have to give away to someone else? How can you be a blessing? God, I need that $20. Well, I want you to buy that person's lunch. But God, you didn't hear me. I need the $20. And he says, I want you to be a blessing because you will find that your uh, 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 comfort will come in your discomfort. It may put you in an uncomfortable position, but God wants to answer your problem when you meet someone else's need. And in the journey, so many times all we see is I'm here and I need to get there that we never recognize the influence and the impact and the impartation and the blessing that we can be to those in between, in the in-between times. On the Wednesday, when you're just trying to get from Monday 
to Friday. But who can you bless on Wednesday? And who can you bless on... Are you willing to help somebody else get to their arrival point? Are you only concerned with you getting to where you believe you need to be? And I'm just convinced. I know that there are times where we feel like I've got nothing left to give. And I tell you right now that you need investment. You need to be around the word. You need to be in church. You need to be in the word. You need to be praising God and worshiping God. And you need to be praying uh, that God will meet your needs. But in the meantime, don't lose sight that you can still be a blessing to somebody else. It's impossible to be a stingy Christian. You're either stingy or you're a Christian. Christians are to be generous. Christians are to think outside the box. Yeah, I've got problems. Yeah, I've got needs. Yeah, I need answers. But how can I be an answer today? How can I be a blessing today? How can I give somebody direction to their destination while I'm still looking to how I'm going to make it through all my mess? But when I help somebody with their mess, God will take care of my mess. Amen. And this is the focal point you've got to have. This is the answer to your problem is when you become the answer to somebody else's problem. Chase, if you would come up. This is what we want to get across today. This is the message. Is you're trying to get from point A to point B. But I want to know what it looks like in between. I want to know what his will is while I'm at the well. I want to know, God, I'm here. This isn't the end result. This isn't the destination. This isn't the answer. But how, how are you going to use me? How are you going to use me to be a blessing to someone else? How are you going to use me to, to, to bring direction to somebody else? Jesus wasn't just, he didn't push the woman. Woman, don't you understand I'm tired? Don't you understand I'm weary? I mean, the Bible tells us he was tired. He was weary. If you think that Jesus just woke up in the morning and just felt like... I mean, there were times he looked at his disciples and say, How much longer, man? How much longer must I bear with you? How much longer must I bear with you? And he was only with them for three and a half years. How much longer? But his concern wasn't me. His concern wasn't take care of me. The only reason he asked that woman for a drink was to engage in the conversation that would help her find out that she needed to change the well she was at. But how sensitive must he have been to be able to be, uh, to know what was going on in her life even when he was tired. Even when he just wanted to get home. Still sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Still sensitive to God speaking on the inside and saying, Now look, this woman's coming to the wrong well. And not just this physical well. She's running to a well that's never going to answer her. But if you will show her today that you are the living water. He had to be sensitive to that. That stuff doesn't just come automatically, even to the Son of God. He had to be in tune. He had to be in tune. So tonight... I want to sing that chorus again. Chase already knows. He's already with me. I will follow. I will follow. Wherever you lead, 
I will follow. My treasure is not here in earthen vessels. My treasure is not here in the natural realm. My treasure is in heaven. If I'm storing up down here and saying, I ain't got time for you, and that's not my problem. I need to take care. If you can't look out for someone else's, you're never storing up treasure in heaven. In heaven. In heaven. 